people don't buy technology. People buy people. At the end of the day, you're selling yourself. You're selling the capability. The technology has to follow through. But people buy people. If people bought technology, some of those businesses you mentioned may not actually be in business. This is All Quiet on the Second Front, a podcast where boring conversations around defense tech and national security come to die. Join me, Tyler Sweat, and my Second Front comrades as we dismantle the mundane, cut through the bureaucratic BS to demystify the world of defense tech. But be warned, this is not a typical government podcast. Ready to get weird? This is a Soul Fire production. Hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, this is your host, Tyler Sweat. Welcome to another episode of All Quiet on the Second Front, the podcast where boring defense talk comes to die. Super excited. I have a good friend with us today, uh, Mike Pansky, Chief Product Officer at IntelliBridge. Thanks for stopping by, brother. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm jacked up to be here. Heck yeah. Let's do it. I uh, So usually want to open this up with letting folks sort of understand kind of who you are, you know, a little bit about what you're working on now, but also the sort of path on how you got there. Because like one of the questions that comes up all the time is, how do I get involved in defense tech? How do I get into the market? What's that transition look like? How do we think about it? Yeah. Um, so walk us through that, brother. Whew. I'll try to keep a long story relatively short and a weird path to get in defense myself. Uh, I was planning to go to law school coming out of uh, college. A friend of mine had mentioned a company uh, out in Reno. It was doing some pretty cool stuff. Uh, they're called Sierra Nevada Corp. And I happened to interview for a job there and uh, ultimately ended up doing that for a little bit, doing my MBA while I was there. I was fortunate enough to uh, hook my wagon to an amazing uh, boss. Actually been fortunate in multiple jobs to have great female bosses that have just been, you know, machines. Uh, absolutely amazing. And so uh, as that was happening, as I was working my way through uh, Sierra Nevada, I got a couple of good opportunities to uh, support on uh, both personal investments from the owners as well as the business uh, doing some mergers and acquisitions support. And uh, again, I think it was just one of those things that I never said no to anything. Uh, I came in there starting a, doing business process, then jumped into finance and then some M&A support, helping to stand up new business models for one of their business areas. And uh, yeah, I just never said no. And I was just a sponge trying to learn everything I could. And uh, about uh, after a couple of years, I uh, was, was lucky enough to get a job offer in the Bay Area, investing in startups and uh, working on the sort of bricks to clicks. Uh, I was for a real estate investment trust that was trying to become Amazon as Amazon was becoming them. And so on top of working with our <laughs> CVC arm, yeah, that. right. <laughs> I'm not good at fashion tech. So that was the other part of it. Uh, I was not equipped for fashion technology, but I did, you know, I, I did sort of resonate with the other side of it. But uh, yeah, so we were investing in startups, uh, creating that sort of strategy for uh, how the REIT model was going to change, envisioning, envisioning sort of the future. We had, you know, a VR uh, representation of what the mall of the future looked like, which was pretty amazing. And this was early on, this, you know, early into the VR game, I think, when it was getting adopted in 2015. And then, uh, yeah, I happened to come across this husband and wife that had pitched us on investing in the business, and they were looking at, at government SBIRs. And ironically enough, I had known about the SBIR program through my time at Sierra Nevada and acquiring a couple of cyber companies. And so I was thinking about their process that they went through and thought, you know, there was a platform that existed out there that I wish I had while I was at SNC. And uh, so I just up in one day, which is a much longer story that I will save uh, for not this podcast, might not be appropriate for that. But I up uh, one morning decided that should be what I should do with my life and uh, decided to, you know, start the, the, the crunch base for applied research, if you will. 
And uh, yeah, so I started the business there, uh, moved it back to Reno uh, with nothing but my uh, bar mitzvah money and uh, just went after it, decided I, I should start a SaaS product. And so what started as, you know, trying to get a good understanding on applied research landscape, cleaning up all the disparate and dirty data that the federal government had, then turned into, you know, the connection to commercial venture, uh, intellectual property, formal and informal S&T. And a lot of what we would say today is bringing together sort of like PAI, publicly available info and OSINT, uh, open source intelligence, into more holistic profiles that are entity resolved on companies. And so uh, didn't get much traction trying to sell to SMBs. Uh, I think you know that model. It's yep. a little bit difficult. Yep. So when, uh, when I uh, was about a year into it, pivoted the model instead of selling to SMBs, went to large companies, uh, increased the price. Didn't increase or change the service at all, but increased the price almost like 30-fold, and it started to catch. Um, and so large companies started buying it. Uh, people were licensing the data as well as the SaaS product. And then I started getting on a couple of federal contracts through some systems integrators. And, uh, you know, things from, you know, tech scouting, horizon scanning on the counter weapons of mass destruction, all the way to uh, an innovative DOD program that was trying to uh, determine inflection points in tech technology against near-peer adversaries on class. So... Um, that was actually a pilot effort that we did for IBM. And uh, yeah, so did that for about three and a half years and was approached by a company as I was looking to raise uh, that had, you know, contract vehicle access, everything that you pray for as a, as a you know, I guess a defense tech SaaS product. Um, and they approached me and said, you know, what would you think about bringing this in-house? And so I sold that company in 2018. And then the company that I sold that to was part of a private equity roll-up. We sold that business in 2021. And uh, that's how I, came to IntelliBridge today and uh, been been growing and, and really enjoying it since yeah. then. Yeah. And what do you, where do you spend most of your time sort of focused at IntelliBridge now? As you've sort of gone through the, that starting at an SI and then getting sort of out of the game completely and sort of the REIT model back into the game and then going through like being one of the pearls in a string <laughs> of pearls sort of roll up. Yeah. Right? What's, what's it look like now? What are you guys focused on? What are you worried about? You know, it, it it's interesting. I would say, what are we focused on? I think, you know, me personally would argue that I think the SI model is a little bit broken um, in that, you know, there's only a finite amount of money. There's only a finite amount of resources that you can allocate towards bodies, you know, to to projects. And, and I think that as we see a technology inflection point that we're going to see that changing mix up of, you know, tech and people and so one of the things that, that I'm really focused on right now is building products for, you know, close to a thousand people. I have the best audience to test products. They're my, our own employees and they have the pulse of the customer. They're the folks that, again, the federal government is looking for on a daily basis to introduce the best tech. Yeah. And so if I can leverage them as my testers and to provide, you know, problem sets, then me building products for the them whole design is, cohort just sitting right there. Yeah, you know, you it's, it's like cool. I get discovery every single day yeah. when somebody on the team says, hey, we're having this problem. And so, you know, what started as building a data ops platform has now obviously matured with AI and that's the hot, sexy thing, but it's AI for a, a purpose. It's not to just tackle, you know, the big, you know, autonomous drone, but it's to make people more efficient in their daily job. And that's, that's what I care about. That's awesome. I want to pull the thread a little bit on on the SI model because I think, and I'm a caveat this, but like I think there's a lot of people, and I've talked about this before, I think there's a lot of people shrieking about the role of the prime or the role of the SI. And I think a lot of it, I don't want to say it's intellectually lazy because that sounds like I'm like jabbing at people and I don't mean to. I just I think it's like half-baked. It's kind of like screaming into the wind and yeah. not looking at like the whole problem. 
And I'd love to sort of hear from you kind of where you see opportunity for change, but I'll open it with, it's important for the reader, the listener, the viewer to sort of understand the whole system at play. And there's direction and there are requirements and mandates on the funding and the lack of flexibility that are derived from Congress. Yeah. The consolidation to the limited number of primes that exist was directed by Congress. Yeah. That's, <laughs> been, ha- the last that's been happening like yeah. <laughs> over the last decade. Yeah. And then we've created, you know, and I like, we talk about this all the time. It's almost Pavlovian. We've we've created dogs that now come when you ring a certain bell, and now we're mad that the dogs aren't adjusting They're on their exactly own. What you, They're what literally you're doing exactly doing what we condition yeah. them to do. So yeah. what happens now where in a world that's been driven by you know, FFP LOE or cost plus or time and material and the way you're actually capturing value and demonstrating sort of that transfer of value is often through our build, you know, person in billet, staff provided, and we bring in technology. My big fear is that we've got these two big forces that are very desynchronized. Yeah. And there's no ability for, because it strip away the, the, hey, it's big Boeing or it's booze or it's Lockheed or whoever. Yeah. There's a human in there. Yeah. It has an annual operating plan and that has outcomes so that they true. need to deliver. Yeah, yeah. How do I incent that person to want to bring in a cool piece of tech that's going to make them more efficient, but that efficiency is going to take 30% out of that person's annual earning. Yeah. And it's potentially going to kill their program. You know, it's it, it. Maybe this is the best thing for the small businesses that are listening to this, or even you know the midsize and, and larges. Is the government? People don't buy technology. People buy people. At the end of the day, you're selling yourself. You're selling the capability. The technology has to follow through. But people buy people. If people bought technology, some of those businesses you mentioned may not actually be in business uh, at the end of the day. But you know, one of the things that I've seen, you know, coming from a defense prime and now the lens of the SI is, you know. We're not there to innovate. We're there to integrate. And we're not going to build the next, and I I believe this, that you're not going to get the next best LLM model out of a systems integrator. You're not going to get a distributed query engine out of that. You're going to get it from companies like Facebook. You know, it's this interesting stat where, you know, Facebook... Probably about, uh, I think it was about two, th- two or three years ago. I think they go by dealing Meta with, now. Oh, Meta. Yeah. I can't keep up with all of it. Um, meta and So X. Meta, yeah. <laughs> Don't they own the X trademark, right? That's going to be the, the, the Musk, uh, the Musk get, Zuck battle. I can't is, keep is, up. It I just want to watch a box. So they're dealing with four petabytes of data every single day. I think this stat was released. And then, you know, about five years ago, the stat came out. And again, it might flex a little bit, but for the general purpose, you know, General Shanahan, and I think it was repeated by uh, Eric Schmidt on the DIB, that the DOD is dealing with uh, 22 terabytes of data per day. So if I just use basic math there, like even if you doubled that on what the, the DOD is outputting, that's still one one hundredth of what these, you know, big tech companies are dealing and with. And it's not integrated in the department. That's no. why, and I've talked about it with, with, with Jack, right? Yeah. Like I, this was where I think Dave Spurk was right when he was shrieking as a chief data officer about the lack of an actual data, like data strategy, because there is, there's a volume of data. To your point, it's not as, it's not as substantial. Yeah. But, but it's be, not centralized. Or no, it just, nobody's should, got their arms around they it. They should be looking to the best tech companies Correct. in the world and the startups that are trying to solve this problem. And the SIs and the Prime should be bringing those folks in 
And there should be that sort of known understanding, right? We're not screaming in the wind. We're not yelling that the SI is trying to steal our stuff or that they're trying to take a percentage. There has to be that mutually aligned incentive. And it's you business. talked about this with yeah. folks you yeah. know, constantly over the podcast that I've seen is like, the, if the incentives don't align for everybody, for your government customer, for the mandates that they have with their core, the way their contract's set up with their prime or however they need to procure this, then it's just not going to happen. But just saying, well, it's, you know, it's too difficult to work with the government. That's, that's, you know, that's a scapegoat. And it's a great, that's a great exemplar of sort of the, the broad strokes I think people use. Yeah. And maybe it's to, to get clicks or to just create a little bit of like faux outrage. Yeah. Yeah. Like the government isn't a single entity. No. Right. The venture capital community is not a single entity. An SI or a prime is not a single entity. Yeah, as much as we like to bust people together. Start, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like we talk about it in generality. Oh, yeah. And that's where I get it. Like, I almost want to say it's intellectually lazy because like yeah. there's no empathy and no seeking to actually understand. Yeah. And if we're not going to do that, the same way that, you know, as your, you talked earlier about your role sort of as that chief product officer, you're working to find sort of product market fit, product mission fit, yep. as we're looking at the operational community. That fit, we've got to seek to achieve in order to build effective partnerships or relationships yeah. with SIs, with the government, with that. And then there's a, a bunch of everybody. things you can create. Yeah. But you're not going to be able to just say like, no, this is my, this is how I do it. Like you're in or you're out. You're like, to, your, to the conversation we were having earlier. Yeah. <laughs> Overnight, you're just going to fix all of this by fixing one thing. You're absolutely not. Yeah. Like this is a culmination of a bunch of different stovepipe problems. That yeah, I, I, Nick Sinai does a bunch of good talking on sort of uh, hacking bureaucracy and finding ways to just make it easy. Because you also, if you're trying to drive change, right, and you think about, there's all this loo and change theory. There's all these different sort of models around it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you have to sort of create and increase the chances of success. Success more often than not will be acceptance and adoption. Yeah. So how do you do that? You create another innovation org. Duh. It's <laughs> <laughs> an easy answer. <laughs> yeah, I think no, it's a it, joke. Yeah. yeah. No, but you're it's funny because it's been the answer for it's, years. It's, Instead it's of trying to bring people way. along yeah. and right, create awareness. Like yeah. get buy-in, right? Like do the normal folks. stuff that you have to do to sell in any business. Yeah, right? and yeah. just to, to do transformation. Find the right partners. You talked about this on the last podcast. Yep. Finding the right partnerships. Yep. Trusting others. Again, this is a. I think this is no different than any other business. It's a people business. 100%. You find great people, people that you trust, people that you know can deliver capabilities, and you bring them in. And you get those folks together. And again, it takes bringing the right folks on a podcast or within a consortium or through like the CDAO's trade wins marketplace yep. where you're getting those people in the door that, you know, the coalition of the willing, you know. Through. Yeah. And that's, so that's, a, that's the place I want to go next. It's a great segue is a mix of CDAO trade wins and DIU sliding up, new director, directing yeah. the sec def, like at the time of this recording, some like Might really change. interesting yeah. shit in the NDAA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in terms of what that could look like. I mean, subject to change. Yeah. But, you know, what is, as you look forward and you see Tradewinds pushing on how we buy and the speed with which we can acquire things and you see DAU potentially taking a role as what I think has been missing, which is what is that front door? Where do I go? Yeah. And how do I take stock of like, the totality yeah. of, you know, all this innovation and R&D and sort of experimentation. Like, 
where are we looking at that to gain efficiencies and actually identify capability yeah. to transfer to the warfighter? Yeah. I, I love your comments about like a Sherpa. You, you consistently have mentioned in the past, like needing a Sherpa to get through all these organizations. I'm very fortunate, you know, at IntelliBridge to allow me to support organizations like SVDG, where we're trying to be a conduit there to sort of translate that message between those various organizations to point people in the right direction and 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 maybe, you know, both help and, and hinder at certain times where we're trying to, to support these companies as they're engaging the venture capital community as they're engaging. So what does that look like? I think you got to break it down into like, yeah, procurement is completely messed. I, I think that's just like, first and foremost, if there was ever a problem that I would want to tackle, it's that you shouldn't need to go and, you know, work with an SI to get on their contract vehicle to sell a great product that the customer wants, they have funding for, you have a great capability that's been proven. To me, that seems absolutely, you know, asinine. Sorry if I can't say that. Like, it's asinine that you have to yep. go through the rigmarole of trying to fight the, find the right vehicle. I mean, seeing in the M&A landscape, companies get acquired just for having contract vehicles. That was the PU roll-up. Yeah. The whole push for like 18 to 21 was yeah. who's got the right contract vehicles and FCL. It, it blows we can my bolt, mind. We can just bolt things in under them. Yeah, and now, yeah. you know, you're seeing great programs. So DARPA has the Bridges program, which I haven't really been too involved in or seen the success where you I'm can get access. definitely keeping an eye on that, though. Yeah. That has interesting promise. Watching what they're doing there. I mean, obviously, DIU has, you know, the right authorities. They, I think they have that connective tissue to be able to do it. But even so, I've seen companies that have struggled to get on contract over there. So the fact that the CDAO is thinking about this, um, you know, the, the CTO was on a panel, we were on a panel two weekends ago talking about AI. And again, this, this sort of idea that you can create an ecosystem and a test bed and a mechanism for people to actually try before you buy or understand what exists with these AI tools in a secure, transparent, explainable manner, like that's the future there. It's, it's the ability to pivot. Uh, and I think this is what, you know, Second Front has done and startups do is pivot. And that's what I, I think we've lost our ability. And maybe I hope that we'll get back from like a federal government perspective is that's where we're going to compete is our ability to pivot and, and quickly move in directions of things that are right. Um, so not to jump to a bunch of topics there, but no, that's how you do it. Yeah. It's, it's important. And I mean, I think it is, but right, if we take the authorities that already exist, which are enabling, you know, Tradewinds to do what it's doing and DIU to do what it's doing, right? I don't, to your point, I don't think it's a, a full sort of procurement overhaul. Like we don't need it's new not. congressional mandates. Stuff exists. It yeah. all already exists. But if you look at some of the, like the major muscle movers and look at, you know, AFWERKS, CDAO Tradewinds, look at DIU and look at Incutel. Yeah. And you put that together, there's a way to drive absolutely outsized value and to be able to pivot the hard part. And I think, again, I go back to sort of the interesting stuff and in like chairman's mark and NDA that came out of Hask, like the, the wedge sort of concept in there is interesting. Where I think this all falls short is you get in, you scale, you get adoption, and then you get to a PEO. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like one of those cartoons where like the wall just doesn't move and everybody hits Thinking the wall. Thinking Wiley Coyote. Yeah, that, 100%. Like, the just anvil drops just drops out, yeah. on you. It's, and that's where I think, you know, if we can figure out how to actually create on-roads or yeah. on-ramps or in-roads, yeah. whatever the right, so that we actually do transition, we'll change the game. 
And there's been this attempt, right? And and I I won't open up the Cibber bucket, but I'm going to do it. Like there's been this discussion point that that's what the Cibber program should have been. You know, regardless of the tax that it is and how it impacts those those larger programs, like you know, getting to that phase three, right? The ultimate goal, the commercialization. Well, if we're going to use that then and the start is going to be Cibber and then you're going to transition to an OT and you're going to bring on some venture capital so that you can scale that or private equity to scale that, then we need to have sort of just a transparent, like, here's the process flow then. But Cibber doesn't work that way. And, you know, some of the the way that Kratas or Pias or other OTs don't necessarily work that way. And then you got to transition and you got to get to that, you know, infamous program of record and so forth. So I don't know. Uh, and it makes it so hard. Yeah. I mean, you and I have been in this game for as long as we can remember, and we still struggle to, you know, succinctly define that path. And then to go, just to define it is challenging and elusive in itself, but to go execute it. Yeah. And if that's the case, yeah, if those of us that have like done the summit a hundred times are still like, oh, this sucks. How are we to bring in a bunch of actual commercial tech that otherwise is not interested or is not incentivized to come in and contribute. That's why we keep the fight going yeah, you know, every mean, single that, day. I don't think anybody has it figured out, but yeah. again, you learn, you pivot, yep. you hit the walls and you keep trying. And, you know, I, I loved on the the last podcast, you know, your, your guests talked about hiring for enthusiasm. I feel like, again, the ability to pivot, we also need the enthusiasm back. Like working on these problems and, and you know, maybe a couple of years ago, it wasn't fun or cool to defend democracy or the democratic republic that we have, it it is, it should be. And everybody should have that enthusiasm. Like why I get up each morning and absolutely love this is because what happens if we don't have this, right? (laughs) Yeah. It's the, you know, what, what if this didn't exist? What if we weren't all fighting, you know, for, for peace on earth, as Tony Stark would say, like, that's why we're here. That's, that's why this is important. So you just keep pivoting. You just keep pushing forward. Find ways to make it better. Yeah. And we're going to do it. We will win. I love that. Yeah. We will absolutely win. That sort of relentless pursuit at just continuing to improve. Yeah. You learn every day. Yeah. Nobody has this figured out. Like you said, the path doesn't, it's nonlinear. Yeah. It's not the same for every company or any technology. It's a quantum path. It's just, oh my God, (laughs) we're going to get in the quantum realm. (laughs) No. So here's, um, we're bringing in sort of like a new question as a structured question, um, as we sort of like turn the final corner in here. Yeah. And given sort of your diverse background, having done, you know, M&A stuff, having done like pure play sort of commercial tech, Having done product, yeah. done roll-ups and PE, all of that. <laughs> King for a day. Yeah. Right. And you've got the ability to sort of like wave the wand yeah. and make something change in this industry. What is it and why? Ooh, that's a really good question. Man, I, I think it's the it's the contract vehicle to rule them all. I think, you know, breaking down that barrier of having the right vehicle and then acting as that intermediary because I don't think being the having the best technology in a certain area is going to allow that scalability. So being a conduit to that. And I've been arguing for many years that, you know, the OT consortiums that exist, it's a, it's a fallacy. It's a flawed model. Um, maybe I'm going to piss off some folks with I, that, but I have but, spent a lot of time at the notion, trying to derive value. Out yeah, of the, the notion's not, not wrong. The idea is not the wrong. The idea is great. Getting everybody together, providing them the right contracting mechanism, providing that, that 
conduit for the federal government to understand, like, how do you evaluate the best technology? Like, the government's terrible at picking winners. Like, let's be honest. Yep. VCs are great at picking winners. Maybe they should be involved in these consortium and trying to help. And maybe the incentives are necessarily aligned to push forward. We kind of saw that with their, you know, club room or whatever that was where the, you know, I was going to say, dude, DOD would be doing crypto right yeah, now yeah. if we let VCs pick. <laughs> like, yeah, and we had, you know, AVCC, we've seen this this sort of model tried before, but yep. if I'm king for a day, it's, you know, getting the right contracting vehicle, having the, just a, a cohort of brilliant individuals who want to solve problems. And it's also getting the operators in there who have those problem sets. Like just saw this great Wired article about, you know, Task Force 59 and some of the, the testing and valuation that they're doing in the field. Some of the stuff that I'm fortunate enough to get to experience on a day-to-day -day, sitting on a couple of contracts. Like those folks have the problem. Um, that not everybody's going to understand. And that has to be translated sometimes when it's, you know, up domain and you need to get that info down domain and unclass. But that bringing together everybody, like that's the the ultimate vision, right? And yeah. I love that. Just finding ways to remove barriers. And to your point on sort of making procurement more streamlined, making it a little less opaque when folks are trying to find users yeah. and actually talk. Because I think one of the challenges is if you got like seven levels of folks who are like, oh, I speak for so-and-so. And, -so. I speak yeah. and you're like, who's got the actual problem? Point me in the guy? direction. And usually the person that has the problem doesn't have the money. That's and the right. person that has the money doesn't have the, you know, the right. vehicle and the cord. So buying like, to sort of simplify gotta, all that. Yeah, that's that has to be done. And again, you know, my personal belief is that we, we are in for a reckoning of how we're going to have to buy stuff to compete and to pivot, uh, you know, with, with this new, not, not new, the last decade of known near peer adversary that's been rising and the changing battlefield. Yeah. I think we, uh, we are definitely in, we're definitely in for a little bit of a, a changing relationship with our adversaries and with competitors. But it's, you know, it, as much as it might come to, you know, a conflict in the Pacific, it might also come in the form of economic warfare. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of schools of thought where that might be the, you know, the path forward. And, and so again, can we solve everything in one path? Absolutely not. We've, we've got to be really good at a lot of different things, yeah. right? We're going to have to unlearn a lot of what we learned of 20 years yeah. of sustained door kicking. It's not about- Shockingly, that didn't yeah, work right? for us. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Now we're going to throw 5,000 drones in a swarming mechanism, you know, to take down the three to one ships that are being produced. Yep. But maybe that's not going to be the case. Maybe, you know, the other side is going to learn from that and see the advancements in the market. and supply then, chain. It becomes oh, anything dead. saw that during yeah. COVID, right? 100%. Look at how we were crippled in a supply 100%. chain. I mean, not having toilet paper. God, that was that was horrible. Oh, yeah. How many people bought, uh, you know, the the electric toilet seat that shoots the water, the bidets? Bidet. I mean, they just sold out on Amazon or they skyrocketed in price because yep. we couldn't get toilet paper. Yep. I wish somebody would have thought like three or four, uh, you know, downstream mechanisms there and, and had created something in the past. Smart toilets have got to be a thing now. I like it. Maybe there's a bunch of other We're going to use that as the perfect <laughs> final thought yeah, from yeah. Pansky. Smart toilets. Why are we getting to smart toilets? Bidets and smart toilets <laughs> and supply chains for oh, economic no. warfare. Yeah. I, I brought us down a weird this path there. perfect. Yeah. No, dude, look, this is, uh, I know you're busy. I love every chance we get just to to lash and share ideas and bounce ideas. So super grateful for the time. Thank you for having for coming me. on and excited to continue to be able to collaborate and work with you in the market. And uh, like you said, spend every day trying to make it better. We're gonna absolutely make it better. And for everybody out there, keep keep trying. Like don't don't give up. If you hit that contracting, you know, stop. If you hit that funding stop or that customer stop, find the right people. Reach out. Try. Right. Yeah. Let's just try. Heck yeah. Yeah. 
Love it. All right, thanks, thanks brother. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Wouldn't be a podcast without some show notes. So check them out to learn more about Second Front and what we're up to. Stay weird. Stay weird.